You're listening to a podcast on Accelerate, brought to you by University of Utah Health. I am delighted to be here with Dr. Peter Ware, who is Executive Medical Director of Population Health. So Peter, it's fantastic to see you. And I wanted to start off today's conversation with sort of some general thoughts and kind of take us into how you got into medicine in the first place. Okay, so that goes way back. Um, I, the, my, what happened to me, I graduated from college as a business economics major, and I had a bit of a existential crisis about what am I going to do with the rest of my life here. And um, what drove me to go back to school and um, pursue the whole uh, medical education was this idea that I wanted to, uh, at the end of my life, look back and say I genuinely helped people. And that really was it, was, it was, of course, a very innocent, naive kind of a thought back then at 22 years old or so. But that was the um, sort of the driving force. And I began to look at different career possibilities. And medicine was something as a kid I was always interested in. So that's what kind of led me to go back, get the uh, post-baccalaureate education, and, and then go into medical school. So you've had an interesting career to date that we'll talk about. I would say a, a non-traditional career path. Um, but um, so if you th- reflect on where your career is now, um, how's it been different than you imagined when you sort of first went into medicine and chose your specialty? So at that point, going back to my previous description at 22 years old, I actually followed a rural uh, family medicine physician out in California in a little town called Bishop, which is on the eastern side of the Sierras. And I saw really kind of an old-fashioned practice, uh, which was really fun. I stayed there for three days. And um, that became my uh, idea of what I wanted to be when I was a physician, t- uh, to work in a small town and be um, a significant part of the community. And I'm so far from that. It's it's crazy. Um, and so I think for me, what's happened is I've always kept my ears up and looked for opportunities. And um, I've had a, a circuitous route to get here for sure. But um, it's been a matter of uh, finding opportunities that fit well with me and resonate and then to continue to per- pursue them. And I'm, I've been really pleased with what I've done and, and um, where I am now. Uh, so that's worked out well for me. Yeah. One of the things, so you're the first person who um, sort of challenged my thinking in terms of uh, when we talk about an employer-based clinic, sort of what that is and why in the world we do that. But one of the things that really struck me um, sort of above and beyond sort of the technical or um, reasons for, for doing that was I've heard you comment several times about kind of this family type feeling and the sort of the intrinsic motivation you got um, with starting the clinic at ARUP and then growing that. So talk to me a little bit about about that part, sort of the the emotional patient connected part of the employer based clinic experience. So, you know, it, this, it dawned on me that working at ARUP was kind of fulfilling my original um, idea of what it was to be a physician. So essentially, I was in a I was in an urban area, but ARUP is a community into itself. So it's 6,500 lives, and I felt like the family medicine doc of the community. And so um, I loved it. You know, I walk through the halls and see uh, patients and have conversations, and it um, it was a, a really ideal environment. But what happened to get that whole thing started was it was it was honestly I w- I found myself at ARUP um, 
in a very indirect manner, I got there and I felt like I just had this diamond in the rough. Um, and I, I went to a talk by Thomas Bodenheimer from UC San Francisco, and he was talking about the patient-centered medical home model. And he talked at length about registries for chronic disease management. And that was the talk where I said, I could do this at ARUP. And that really drove a ton of energy and uh, vision for what we did over there. And so you've, um, like I say, I, I learned a lot sort of listening and kind of watching your sort of development of the, the successful program there. And then you've sort of taken that and we've, I, I sort of laugh at, to myself uh, in the last few years, there's sort of been two sort of phrases that have sort of, you know, been the buzzwords in healthcare. One is, you know, volume to value or a movement to value-based care. And then the other, which has been, I think, challenging sometimes to define has been a movement to population health. So you, you commented about, you know, feeling like you had your own small population community at ARUP, and now you've been challenged with how do you take that to scale um, and integrate within a complex, large healthcare system. Um, so I wanted to first just um, see how, how do you define population health? Um, you know, that question right there is what makes it hard to sleep at night for me is taking some of these um, ideals and vision of what we were doing at ARUP and what I have experience with and applying it in a far, far more complex environment. And um, it's daunting. Um, but to answer your question more directly, uh, population health, I think a helpful way to think of it is the goal of population health, which is to improve um, or maintain the health of a defined population and also to reduce the health disparities among the members in that population. And that's the, that's the definition I'm trying to infuse throughout the university because people always come up to me and say, I don't understand, you know, what is population health? I get that all the time. And population health can be anything to anybody. It's so broad. And I think that's something that I wrestle with is I'm supposed to sort of carve out this space here at the university for something that's, that can be really quite nebulous. Um, so that's a, a start of, the, uh, of an answer to your question. That's, um, you know, I, I'm sitting here smiling because um, there's sort of this military acronym, I guess, called VUCA, which is, um, you know, an environment that's volatile and or uncertain and or complex and or ambiguous. And because population health can be all to everyone and not how we traditionally organize in medicine, I sort of smile because that's the world that you live in. So when you sort of embark in this sort of VUC environment, um, what are some of the biggest challenges that you found um, this last year? That's a, it's an interesting question. Um, I was worried initially that when I'd get here, I'd find a lot of people that might um, be threatened um, by the concept. And for the most part, I really haven't seen that. Um, most of the people I'm working with um, are very interested in pursuing um, the population health uh, concept and vision. Um, so it's been it's been very it's been a lot better than I had expected. Um, certainly, that's not everyone, but it, it's a great majority. So that's that's been helpful. Um, I also have received a lot of uh, support at a high level, and that's uh, that's helped me as well. But um, yeah, complex, uncertain, rapidly changing. Um, it's um, it is it's a it's a tough 
um, it's in a tough, tough environment to work within. So the, one of the strategies I've had, just real briefly, is to try to get some early wins and try not to change, uh, as, as Dr. Clark would say, um, try, to, try not to do a revolution, but to try to evolve things in the health system so that we can have some early wins and people can see some successes. So that's my focus, is to try to keep my um, focus on um, discrete projects that we can actually get accomplished that move us in this direction. I think that um, sort of your advice and, and recognition to sort of think about scope is really critical, uh, especially when you're sort of jumping in and grabbing the tiger by the tail to, to sort of lead this effort. One of the other th things I was curious about, and, and you sort of alluded to this uh, a minute ago, is um, to me, when I think we, we talk about team-based care a lot, and it probably gets overplayed in healthcare, um, and, and partly because I think we um, we oversimplify it. And, and population health and the efforts you're leading are, are re true team-based care, sort of team-based care on steroids, really authentic teams that are non-traditional. Tell me a little bit about sort of your approach. So one of the initiatives that you're starting, you've scoped, is an intensive care clinic. And I'd love to have you tell me a little bit more about that. But, but most importantly, what are some of the, the challenges and the opportunities other people can learn from and how to really design a truly authentic team to sort of change the way that we deliver care? Okay, so um, at ARUP, um, we had a um, strong uh, interdisciplinary team, and one of the positions in particular I leaned on heavily for chronic disease management was pharmacists. Um, I was always around pharmacists as uh, a resident um, here at the university, and so it wasn't much of a stretch for me to continue to work with pharmacists um, after uh, graduating. Um, I found them um, in particular to be incredibly helpful. So when you've got diseases that um, have a lot of the management is, is almost like an algorithm, uh, and a lot of it's medicine-related, it's changing doses, making sure the proper testing is happening. Diabetes is a perfect example. There is a ton of opportunity for pharmacists to be involved. The thing there, what I found is, the, is the, what maybe separated us was trust. And so I hired um, what, who I think was an absolutely fabulous uh, clinical pharmacist named Holly Gurgle, and she really did a lot to help me over there at ARUP. But I had a lot of trust in her, and I was able to let her act quite autonomously. And after working together for several years, we learned um, our weaknesses and strengths um, in both directions, and that was a really valuable relationship. So going forward for this intensive outpatient clinic, um, we've just hired a new staff, and again, the idea is to get that team working together in a way where there's a lot of trust, and so each person has the, their expertise that they bring to the team, and the idea is, is that with that expertise is that you're going to get overall, um, you know, more effective care. So, um, I'm, I'm fascinated. I want to talk a little bit more about, about that. Um, one of my favorite books that I read this last year um, was Stanley McChrystal's book called Team of Teams. And, you know, I wind up having to sort of simplify, you know, things in my own mind. But, but what the book, basically, the premise was very much what you were saying in terms of moving from a very hierarchical, um, sort of power-oriented team-based structure 
to really a flattened hierarchy where everyone brings value and is respected for the value they bring and you communicate effectively to sort of develop a shared context with what you're trying to accomplish. And, and sort of the how you describe the team at ARUP just really you know, kind of mirrors that. But what advice would you give? So as doctors, we're, we're kind of trained to be these autonomous um, captains of the ship. Again, back to sort of that power hierarchy but, but you describe a need to sort of actually change that dynamic and really be much more collaborative and valuing the input from everyone. What advice would you give to our fellow physicians or our residents, students in training um, so that they come out more equipped to, to really lead authentic teams? Uh, uh, great question. Um, I totally agree. The way physicians are trained is to be um, the one that takes total responsibility, and we all shoulder it. And that's probably why we're not much fun to be with in a clinical environment. Um, but it doesn't have to be that way. And I believe the future for physicians is to get away from that model and instead to help manage and lead teams. And I think that's where our future is. And I think we need to be training medical students, residents, et cetera, to be able to have those skills to work uh, well with a team and to help, again, lead and manage them. And that takes trust, like we described a second ago. So whether it's an um, APC, um, nurse practitioner or physician assistant, whether it's a pharmacist, social worker, care manager, um, even medical assistants, um, we need to, as physicians, learn those skills to um, manage and lead teams. And those aren't things that just you, you can't intuitively figure out those things. Some people clearly are better than others. But none of that is taught throughout um, our education, or none of I don't know about any of that stuff. And so I think that's a real gap, and I would love to see movement that way to help physicians attain those skills so they're more comfortable in those environments. Because right now, when you graduate, it's you're off into the wilderness, and let's see how you do. Yeah, I, I think that's perfect advice. And even though there's a movement towards interprofessional education, I think the the leadership components of how truly authentic leadership in, in a team environment um, looks like is something we can work on. So one, <laughs> one quick thing, sorry, I stumbled around so much with the management piece at ARUP. And if you talk to those folks that I was with early, we had a lot of um, humorous stories. Um, I learned um, a lot of those skills the hard way. And um, I had some good mentorship at ARUP which um, is a really fine company and they've got some really um, incredible talent over there. And I wish that I could impart or I wish other physicians could get that kind of experience because um, I was exposed to more of a business orientation over there, more of a corporate setting. And not that physicians need to be corporate, but there's a lot of lessons that we can learn in that type of environment. Um, but there were a few years there that were fairly rough and uh, learning things like HR issues and things that physicians just don't normally think about. Those things are critical in going through those steps the right way. Um, so that's just something I think that most physicians wouldn't, wouldn't think of that I found to be quite valuable for me. That, that's really um, great perspective. So the last question I have, um, so you look in the future. Um, what excites you about sort of the opportunity at hand in population health over the next five to ten years here at University of Utah Health and beyond? So to me, what 
gets me out of bed, what wakes me up is the thought that I'm doing something, I'm contributing to improving healthcare delivery to patients. And that's why I'm here. Um, I love making systems work. Uh, I love making things work well. But in the end, I'm after a better patient experience. I think anyone listening to this podcast would agree that there's certain parts of our healthcare delivery system that are broken, that aren't working well. And to me, that's why I'm here, is to try to work on solutions to uh, fix that. So with reimbursement reform that's happening, that's driving a lot of this change. And I think it's a great thing. And I know it's uncomfortable and it's hard and it creates a lot of uh, uncertainty and uh, even chaos. But to me, figuring out as we move in that direction, how do we adjust our healthcare delivery to fit that, but ultimately also to make it um, better for patients um, to improve access, improve health, and improve the whole patient experience. Yeah, well, speaking from the heart, I can tell you that um, both uh, University of Utah Health and our patients are, are in good hands with you leading the way. So thanks for all you do, and thanks for taking the time to be with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Accelerate is Chrissy Daniels, Kim Mahoney, Mari Ransko, Steve Johnson, Marcy Hopkins, Bob Pendleton, and our community of contributors. If you like this, we have more. Visit AccelerateUtah.com.